What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. This week, I've got Calista Kelly and Todd Sable. Uh, Calista is the managing editor for physicaltherapy.com, and she's really involved with the coursework and making sure that things are relatable. So we're going to talk about how she does that and some of the um, things that you could do to do the same. And then Todd is like Instagram famous. He's got uh, some really good stuff on, on Instagram. And so it's it's really cool just to see all the stuff that he does and knowing what it takes for me to create a podcast, just seeing how much that just just curious about how how long it takes to create one of those posts that has you know the pictures and the words and things lined up and those swipe right to see this or whatever it is right so that's not something i'm very good at but that's why i've got todd here to kind of talk to us about that so uh, i am the host jeremy jackson and this one is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash creating content again you can always catch the live stream on facebook so if you go to facebook.com slash sportsmedicinebroadcast or sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Facebook. You can like subscribe or like or follow. I still don't know which button does what, but one of them will tell you, hey, uh, Sports Medicine Broadcast is going live, and then you can you can catch this. So since we're talking about creating um, sports medicine content, I, I actually had the opportunity to have like this episode kind of like sponsored by Blueberry, and so they're the ones that host, that do the hosting for the podcast. So I'm going to just talk about them real quick. So I chose to use Blueberry a while before I actually started paying for it. So they have a free thing. So my website is built on WordPress. And so if you're building websites and you have an idea of what I'm talking about, if you have no idea, then WordPress is a really simple, like a drag and drop thing. And Blueberry integrates with that fully. So it's really, really easy to use, to add in, to set up. Um, but you don't have to have a WordPress site to use Blueberry podcasting, but, but you can and it, and it works really easy so for for my site again it was a wordpress site already and then i started using blueberry uh the free PowerPress, and then i began using the advanced stats so if you're you know just looking at the stats uh if you're looking at the facebook live you know I, i've taken some screenshots there so it's talking about uh it shows you can look at per month or you can look at um, the geographical region right so you can look at the media uploads. So one of the cool things is, um, like I went to Trinity University, did the workshop there, and then I had six or eight podcasts that I needed to upload. Well, I can upload all of those, and then once I publish them, then it accounts against the the data total or whatever it is. Um, and so that's really good. So I could upload all of those and then just publish them over time, which is what I normally do. And so that really helps for me for... For most people in podcasting, they're going to say, hey, you should do batch uh, recording. And so that's where you record like four episodes at one time and then release them over the next four weeks or something like that. So it's a really cool thing you could do with Blueberry there. If you're looking at, again, at the Facebook Live, you can see the stats where it talks about, you know, you know, United States, United Kingdom, Japan, Australia, Canada, Germany. So there's people all over the world that are downloading the sports medicine broadcast. But again... That's just part of the reasons that I use Blueberry Podcasting, and uh, it's my preferred source. So if you ask me what I do to um, to make the sports medicine broadcast, the Blueberry Podcasting is part of it. And so you can use the promo code BLU008 if you want to get started. Again, that will give you like a free 30-day trial, and you can use BLU008. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. So without much further ado, where... Do you get started? Callista, let's start with you. Okay. Where do you get started? As far as um, on coursework? Yeah, in, in and creating a course. And, yeah. Um, well, first, in order to get ideas as, as far as what topics to go for and presenters and whatnot, because that's part of my job on physicaltherapy.com is um, organizing courses and uh, lining up presenters um, and schedules for our year. Um, so I spend a lot of time searching um, on the internet as far as what topics are popular, what's going on at conferences, um, local and states, um, and then national conferences. So I have attended NATA the past, I want to say, three or four years. Um, spent a lot of time just talking to presenters and networking with them. And, um, and then over the years, we've just grown as far as more more talks. Um, so a lot of times our 
our topics are come from conferences and and, and state um, conferences as well as NATA, um, and then some of our ideas come from um, a course evaluations. Uh, we rely on our members to tell us what they want or what they're missing or what they want to know more about. So on our course evaluation, the very last question or one of the very last questions is, you know, who else would you like to see on here? What topics do you want um, to learn more about? And we keep a running list of that and take that very seriously. So when I'm looking at looking up things as far as what to schedule for the coming year, I take a look at that and see how many people and what they're wanting um, and hopefully we can get those on that year. That's one of my favorite things there is whenever you go to a course that maybe you, you go to year after year kind of thing. So like the Memorial Hermann Sports Medicine Update is one that, that I attend mm -hmm. regularly. And I know that I was like, hey, I just put this, this and this on my list of things that I wanted to see. And that's what they are. So obviously I'm not the only person, but just just knowing that, hey, they do listen to those. Plus, I obviously know the people and, and they say, yeah, we're, you know, we take those into consideration hugely. And so mm -hmm. that's that's really cool. So. All right. So in in doing that and getting started there and, and going to courses and meeting people, what are some of the things that you really look for at a conference to bring back to physicaltherapy.com? Um, as far as presenters, is that what you're asking? Yeah, Jeremy? courses, topics, presenters. Courses. Yeah, I went, um, I have found out over the years, because I've been with physicaltherapy.com for about eight years now, that like our highest rated courses are things that people can take back to the, the clinic, take back to you know, their students, whoever they're working with, you know, that same day or the next day. So um, when I'm at a conference, I want to look at, I, I want content that's relatable, um, that they have, typically they have case studies or they can make case studies up so they can apply it right away. Um, they can answer those questions. And so um, I want somebody that, a presenter that can talk on the fly, that can answer those questions that are relatable and that have intervention ideas um, throughout the course. Um, so um, that's kind of what I've discovered over the years is that those courses that have that um, component um, do the best. Um, they want something um, that is relatable to their practice. So that's what I'm looking for in a conference um, is more so those topic areas that somebody can take back. Gotcha. Todd, have you done any online learning either in college in your master's program or um, as for CEUs? Yeah, I've done, I've done quite a bit actually. Um, I would say probably about half of my CEUs were online. And then on top of that, I've taken some other just online courses of things that I wanted to, you know, learn more about and, and things like that. So I've, not, I've done quite a bit. And I mean, the nice thing about online courses is you can kind of pick what you want to learn about. So, I mean, I've, every every online course I've taken, I've, I've, I've taken something away from it. So that, and that's that's the benefit of a lot of online courses. You kind of get to pick and choose. So, yeah, I, I've, I've taken advantage of that quite a bit. All right. So. Kind of with what Calista was saying, you know, when she goes to those conferences, she's looking for people who can do case studies or uh, a walkaway skill. What are what are you looking for in a course? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, <clears throat> what am I looking for in a course? I mean, I would just say either either a when I'm looking for an online course, it's either what what where do I lack? Where can I learn more to improve my practice as an athletic trainer? Um, or in general, just, you know, even if it's not something, even, even if it's like, you know, emotional IQ or, um, or EQ, I'm sorry, or um, so either where do I lack and where can I get better or where do, where do I want to learn more about? Where do I feel like I are, I'm already, um, you know, kind of above above the fold, but want to improve and kind of have that, you know, be my area of expertise or, you know, just somewhere that I feel very confident about. So I, I kind of specialize in one area. So those are like the two things I look for. Um, in terms of online courses, or even if I'm at a, at a in-person conference, um, and a, another thing I look for is if you know I, there's somebody that I admire, or like a mentor, and they're speaking, like yeah, I'm definitely gonna go to their talk. Like uh, um, Alicia Pennington's one that comes to mind. Like when I saw she was talking or speaking at NATA a few years ago, or may, maybe even been last year, they kind of blend together. But um, I, I couldn't make it because I had to leave. But like that's the like when I saw her name, I was like, that's the one I want to go to for sure. Um, like I said, I had to add my flight ended up leaving early, but um, like, so that, that's one thing that I look for as well is who's speaking. And these, normally if you know the speaker, you know what they're going to be speaking on is something that you're interested in. So. Gotcha. 
Okay, so again, that's just what what we're looking for in online courses. But um, you're really good at Instagram, right? So you do a lot of really good posts on there. So what are some of the ideas, some of the things that you do to get started in creating that sports medicine content? Well, the first thing is, and it, I mean, it's a lot. A lot of the stuff is is kind of common sense, and I, I like the kind of the dichotomy between what Kalista does and what I do because. I really have free reign because it's my, it's my Instagram and I, I, you know, I don't have to vet anything. Um, the, the biggest thing getting started is just posting. Um, I think a lot of people get, get hung up on having the perfect post or having the perfect caption or um, trying to impress other people. Uh, the biggest thing is just to get a post out there. Um, I, I remember, and I was thinking about this when I was, when I was driving here this morning, when I was an undergrad, and this was a long time ago, before I, I did any of this, I was trying to put, I was really just trying to copy off people and post like, oh yeah, I'm doing like a, I bought a pre-workout and was doing like a pre-workout giveaway and like posting like just like random fitness stuff that I, you know, just whatever, because I thought it was cool. And somebody told me that they were annoyed with my, uh, with what I was, all the stuff I was posting. And I was like distraught about it for like two weeks. They were like, I had to unfollow you, Todd, because it was so annoying. And I was like distraught. You know, so fast forward, if you're posting about something you're passionate about, who it doesn't matter what other people think, because if you have the right intentions behind what you're posting, if it's to help other people and then you're having fun doing it, then then you just got to start. The The quote that I always come back to, and I, I, I posted this a long time ago, is, and this is more for me than for Kalista's, Kalista's content, but it's better to suck and be seen than not be seen at all. Because if you get something out there, it probably, it probably is going to suck at the beginning. I look back on some of my old videos and they're like, cr- they're, you know, I cringe when I watch them, but you improve over time. So it, it, just starting, just getting that first post out there um, and kind of turn it, you know, have that snowball effect and you can just learn and grow from there. So this past summer I presented at the Memorial Hermit Workshop that I mentioned earlier, and it was about social media etiquette. And one of the things is I said, be you. Right. And so that's similar to what you're saying is be something that you're passionate about. So make sure that what you're talking about is. There we go. So make sure what you're talking about is you. It's it's authentic. So even if it is not very good, right, it's never going to be perfect ever. Even after you've done it a hundred times, it's never going to be perfect. And so just make sure it's authentic. And like Todd said, something you're passionate about, something you desire. So like Callista was saying, something that she wants to learn more about uh, and bringing to the physical therapy aspect is the way that at NATA there's like learning labs. So there's hands-on skills, there's you're up and moving, you're doing things rather than just sitting and getting. And so that's really cool that she's coming to our, you know, national workshop and learning things to take back to, to her profession as a physical therapist as well. All right. So on that same aspect of not being perfect, Clissa, tell me a little bit about uh, some of the things that you think through or process or some of the things that keep you from creating or posting. Are you talking about social media, Jeremy? Either or... social media or like on courses. Again, kind of like what's holding you back or what may be holding you back in the beginning. Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> um in the beginning, uh, we tried um, because physical therapy is such a broad practice. I mean, head to toe, you know, all ages. And AT is, you know, um, your the, the practice scope has gotten a lot larger, as you could probably agree to, um, you know, over the years. Um, so when we started um, in having, I want to say, 50 or 60 courses that first year. I'm not sure exactly because it's been so long ago. You know, it was really hard to determine what courses to do over other courses. What's what's best? Do I do more, more orthopedic courses? Do I do more sports courses? But then do I need, but I also should include some um, geriatric courses, acute care courses. And so that was probably the hardest part is probably determining the calendar and not leaving out some folks as far as where they practice at um, and gradually building up over the years. And so now that we're in year eight, because I, I started with the company, we're starting to really get courses in those niche areas um, where people 
can't or they have a really hard time traveling or going somewhere um, but they still want to learn about those those areas um, for instance we have a course on facial rehab so people that have bell's palsy and, and whatnot and what you can do to help that out um, and that's one of those niche practices but you will get patient referrals or you will get to see those um, patients um, that have that um, or wound care and you know and athletes you'll see that but you don't necessarily see courses in that very often um, you know just um, certain things um, so now we're starting to get into that but first of the year I probably wouldn't have done those just because I wanted to get like more people um, as far as like the bigger practice areas sports orthopedics not those niche courses um, so that was probably like the challenge battling the fourth and going no we're gonna hold off on those courses but I'll come back for you. Like if somebody came and, you know, and, and asked, can you, can I present on this? And so that was kind of the hard part as far as we'll hold off and then we'll come back to you. So. so how did you decide that calendar? Like you just said, okay, well, these are the things that we think most people are going to want because mm -hmm. in, in all the podcasting, like how to podcast podcast that I listen to, mm -hmm. they always say the riches are in the niches. So like, yeah. Like you just said you're just getting into the niche courses mm -hmm. or I, I just yesterday finished a joint mode course on physicaltherapy.com where yeah. it was, I think her name was Gulick, Gulick, something like that. Um, right. And it was the mobilator. And so that was something pretty cool I've never seen. Yes. And, that's a new thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so that, you know, it's very specific. Like there's this device, here's a way that you can measure and see if you're doing joint mobs correctly. Mm -hmm. And so again, I need to like I said, on social media, I need to do the course again, kind of watch it while I have somebody there, um, a patient that I can practice with and, you know, then just practice it a bunch of times while watching it. But, yeah. you know, the course was easy enough, but again, it's pretty like niche and specific. It is. So. It is. Yeah. Um, it was, um, it's a challenge. Like in the first year we went for, you know, the masses versus the niche. Um and we've gradually kind of changed that um, because of what you just said. Um, but uh, first year I was going through, um, the APTA has different sections. So we have a section on acute care, a session on geriatrics. Um, now they're all called academies. Basically they changed the language, but they're the same thing. Um, so I, I looked at membership in each of those and kind of decided how many courses in each area. And that's evolved over the years as far as um, how many courses we do in a certain X section and, and how many courses we do related to, you know, AT and sports and whatnot. Um, so it kind of, I change it up every year. Um, and uh, we change up our virtual conferences every year, which our virtual conferences is, um, we have uh, a course each day for five days in a row and over a general topic. So this year, um, something that may be interested in um, is in October, we're going to have a, a five-part series on the Jerry athlete. So those um, folks that are older, but they're, you know, they're athletes and, and whatnot. So that's going to be a very interesting course, how to work on our courses, how to work on endurance and um, timing and programming and whatnot for those, um, for those individuals. Yeah, that's so definitely, definitely a niche. That's another niche area. So yeah, definitely an interesting area for the people who do. You know, I mean, at a high school, my I'm kind of like required to work with uh, the athletes here, and so like if, even if one of my athletes get gets hurt outside of school, they have to see a doctor first because it's not a school related injury. So that kind of thing, you know. But there are athletic trainers that work in clinics or that work with hospitals or you know, work independent practice, that kind of thing. And so it'd definitely be an interesting series for them to see. So, all right, Todd, you create some really cool like graphics and uh, info videos and things like that on Instagram. So what are some of the things that you do to get started on those? Uh, the big, I mean, <clears throat> honestly, like I said, like I said, the, the first, the first question is just starting to post and you can always refine how and what you do from there. Um, but one, one thing that I looked at, I mean, you know, back in the day when I, when I first started trying to make my social media basically educational professional as opposed to just posting pictures of my dog and wife, which I still do occasionally. <laughs> but um, I just I try to see what, what other people enjoyed on, on you know, Inst I'm thinking of Instagram right now. But what, what do people enjoy? What do they get the most value from? 
and you see you see a lot of like kind of the swipe swipe right or swipe left things yeah. where it's you know a main title picture and then you know anywhere from two to nine exercises from there um so i started i started doing that a little bit and then uh and I, that's for i mean probably five or six months that's literally all i did and it was cool you know there was a lot of educational content on there a lot of cool rehab ideas for for uh for people but what i found that i lost with that was there was no I, there was none of my personality in there and it, it with with that i i, th- I think that it's at some point as humans we want to connect with people and there was none of that personal brand in there so i kind of reevaluated i kept those in there but then i started a little bit of a, a social media schedule if you want to call it that to where i do one of the swipe right posts um a really kind of random content post it could either be an educational post on a video i've done one on um, the peace and love injury management method i've done one on squat uh basic squat form i'm doing one on hinging this week um, and then a quote one. So I've, just, I've, I've tried to kind of take what I enjoy from other people's things. Not that I'm copying, but, you know, it's, it's nice to see what people enjoy. And, you know, so I had that, I had that kind of th- like that little like carousel, like, I guess you could call it of content where it's a quote, random, random content piece where it could either be educational or, you know, picture my dog or my wife. And then back to the swipe, right. Educational rehab movement type videos. So, um, it's, it's been, you know, over years of refining and kind of seeing what people enjoy and, you know, and, and it's something that you constantly have to do. Like I, I've, I've thought about recently taking out my quote post because, you know, um, they're not, they don't have the most, um, reaction or, you know, they don't have the most interaction from, but at the same time, like, you know, there, I could have one that just blows it out of the water that a lot of people take value from. So I don't, you know, I'm trying to, trying to figure that out. So it's just, it's an, it's a never ending process of refining and, and, and seeing what people enjoy because a, any kind of content is subjective to what people, how people view it. It's how they consume. It. It's not, it's not necessarily what I think is the best because what I think is the best isn't what you, isn't what you guys think is the best. So I don't want to be just having my, my mindset in there. So I'll, uh, every once in a while too, I'll ask questions on, you know, the question app on a story, like, what do you get? What would you guys like to see? Are there certain things that you would like to hear about, you know, so on and so forth. So it's just a constant refining process. All right, so I got to ask real quick. You've been posting about like learning TikTok. Have you actually figured out TikTok? <laughs> uh, n- no, I haven't. The the one thing that's been holding me up with that, honestly, is and maybe this is just me making an excuse. I keep I want to use the front camera so I can kind of see what I'm doing because it's it's easier to use like a lot of them you'll see like people put, pointing things and they're like put, putting text out there. And uh, my front screen was cracked, so I got a new screen cover. And then I cracked that one. So like, it's like, there's this huge glare across the whole screen. So I haven't done that yet. Um, but there's a few like physical therapists who do a really great job on there. Um, and a couple athletic trainers who it's more, their stuff is more co- comedy, which is, it's still pretty funny stuff, but I want to still use that as an educational piece. So I'm still trying to fit, fit in how I can do a six or seven exercise video in 15 seconds because they have a minute time frame on there, but how many people on TikTok are consuming a minute long video unless it's like really, really, really interesting or, you know, really connects with you, you know, because a rehab video is probably not going to connect with you at your, at the emotional level. So it, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to really keep that in a 15 second, 15 second time frame. Um, so short answer, no, I haven't figured it out, but there's a couple of people that I know that have done a pretty good job on there and I'm kind of trying to take some things from them. So that's a, definitely a work in progress. <laughs> Gotcha. All right. So one of the things you mentioned is figuring out what people want. So Todd, Calista, this is um, kind of where I want to go is how do you figure that out? Um, Calista, we'll go ahead and start with with you. Mm-hmm. you. You've looked at the course things and, you know, you're going to the workshops, but how do you figure out what people want? Yeah. I would go back to our course evals and, and usually it comes right from the, the member, like our members, what they want. Um, so if they're, if they're filling that out and, and, and if they really want something, they're going to fill it out. And if they do multiple course evaluations, they're going to say it every time. Um, so I, um, and we'll have multiple people say it. Um, so that's kind of how I figure out what they want. When I'm going to conferences, I'll see how packed courses are. You know, um, you can tell the the courses that are 
heavily attended. I mean, we have some at CSN that you can't even get in the door because they have to close it. There's not enough room in those rooms for everybody to be in. Um, so, and that happens pretty regularly. So, you know, I'll make a note of that. Um, sometimes I can't even get in there to see the course um, or they've moved it to another room and you're seeing it on camera because that course is so popular. Um, so, um, to that of it's it's um, watching behavior and listening to our members um, as far as what they want. Um, but uh, even when I spend time at the booth at conferences, um, um, I'll ask members is if there's anything that we don't have or what are we missing? You know, what are we missing in our library? Um, and uh, listening to them is, is the most important important part. Now, when you don't have that opportunity to listen to them, that's kind of when I um, start researching other um, areas and seeing what's 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 popular, what's the hot topics, looking at journals and seeing what are people talking about right now. Um, so that's kind of how I was saying. And, you know, and I do go on Instagram <laughs> and look and see what people are talking about. Um, and uh, and you know like other areas there's lots of facebook pages that are separate for um for therapists and whatnot and, and uh what they're talking about so it's kind of a it's not like a one answer thing it's multiple so i'm you know constantly jotting down like ideas and some of our most attended highest rated classes have come from just those ideas where people are like i really want a course on such and such and one of our biggest attended courses was on um how to work with somebody in their home um, with their own materials, like on their balance, like on balance. And, um, and so that was a huge popular course that I just grabbed that topic from multiple people that said, Hey, I'm having trouble with this. And then when, and then asked a presenter if they could, um, and that was an expert in home care. Hey, what do you think about creating a course on this? So that's kind of opposite of the way that we normally do it. But um, sometimes those are the best courses. All right. So you mentioned your, you look at Instagram. Todd has obviously talked about mm -hmm. you know, using TikTok. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah. What do you find to be the most beneficial for interaction or for um, gaining what people want, which which platform works best for you? Oh, that's tough because I'm on Twitter a lot too and Facebook. Um, oh, that's tough. Um, Facebook, I see a lot of questions versus as far as clinical questions versus Twitter. Um, Twitter is like people just post a lot of stuff as far as research articles, stuff like that. Facebook is where I see in those groups that people come up with clinical questions. You know, hey, I have a, a patient Um what have you guys done on this? Or I have a patient on this. I've never seen this area. What, you know, is there CE out there on this or whatnot? So um, I don't know, you know, Facebook's kind of the, um, the old guy out there, but <laughs> I see, I still see more clinical questions being asked versus um, uh, mater like material. So I think each of them have their, their place. Um, you know, Instagram, you're getting um, a lot of great videos on exercises and whatnot. And then, but otherwise, Facebook, people are asking for help. So, yeah. Todd? Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, it depends on what platform you're on. Um, but personally, it's kind of funny because Instagram, literally everything I post, and you got to keep this in mind too, and Cleese said this earlier. When you're creating content, you want to think about what consumer you're trying to appeal to. So like on Instagram, everything I post for 99% of the time is for, you know, a potential athlete or patient or somebody who's struggling with something as opposed to, and I haven't figured this out yet because Twitter, almost all of my interaction is with fellow athletic trainers or other healthcare professionals um, because that's just kind of how, how the following happened. So like, yeah, like Kalista said, Twitter's more conversation, research articles, uh, you know, back and forth on certain topics. And it, I mean, just just the nature of the platform, too. You can't post 10 videos on, on Twitter. So like the, you know, consuming video content on uh, Instagram is great. Facebook's kind of more long form. Obviously, Twitter and its nature, it can't be long form. So that's nice because you can kind of get right to the point. Facebook can be long form and you can have great conversations on there. Um, 
So it just depends what you want, really. I mean, you can each place you go, you get something different. Um, so, you, I mean, you get exactly what you're looking for. If you're going to Instagram, you're going to get videos. If you're going to uh, to Twitter, you're going to get you know short form conversations, Facebook long long form conversations. And the, the the nice thing about TikTok though is if you go there, you know maximum it's going to be a minute long, but normally everything's going to be 50, probably 15 seconds. So that I mean that and G- Gary, I always Gary V's like so ahead of the game on this stuff. If, uh, you know, all, most people on there are going to be younger. So if you want to post rehab, rehab videos or sports medicine content that's going to get consumed by, by younger people, then, you know, you want to, you want to be there because you, you, you know what, what audience is going to be there. So it's just kind of keeping, keeping with, with the trends and kind of seeing, again, like I said, what people want. Um, so, yeah, wherever you go, you're going to get what you're looking for, basically. All right. So. As we're mentioning this, I have uh, the Facebook live stream going on. And so I've got Mark Phillips, Tim Acklin, and Don Stuckey, Joe Sabatini all watching live, checking in live. It says they've joined. And so I'm sure there's other people watching live. But hey, thanks for watching live. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is personalizing it. So making sure that content is yours. So do you, do you prefer um, or do you look down on people who say, I, I'm going to post, okay, sports medicine broadcast live at 8.30, but I post the exact same thing on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, whatever. Like, I just use one thing to post it all. Does it make a difference to you, Todd Cuesta? It, it doesn't. To, it doesn't to me. I mean, I, I, I think that's great. I think this is one thing we didn't touch on at the beginning is at, at some point you got to get over thinking about, like, branding yourself or pushing yourself because, I mean, you are, but – the con- or the, the purpose is to help bring information to other people. So you can't worry about that. But the one thing that I will say, and this kind of goes back to the, the knowing the nature of each platform, and I was guilty of this for a while, is if you post on Instagram, hey, we're going to be on live 8.30 tomorrow morning on, on Facebook, and you take that, you copy that, that, uh, that post and say share to Twitter, it's just going to have that link to the Instagram post. So that's not that won't be consumed as great as if you took a screenshot of the picture, had your own caption under it, say, hey, this is the link. But then somebody can actually see what what they're going to be posting about. You know what I mean? So it's if you're in a hurry and like like I said, I've done this a million times. If you want to just get kind of copy and paste from platform to platform, that's I would say better than nothing. But it's probably not going to get consumed the greatest because there's you, you need to have. Basically, I mean, you can recycle the same post. Like I've done that where I post something on Instagram, I tweak it to Twitter. Like if I post a 10, a 10, a 10 video rehab thing on Instagram, I could condense that entire, those 10 clips into one video with one of the editing apps. Then I could put that on Twitter and then I could put that on LinkedIn. And then I can even put even just a picture on Snapchat or something, you know, so it's, it's consumed the way it should be consumed on each platform. So I, I mean I don't look down on anybody for that at all because it takes it takes a lot of time. Um, but if you want it if you want it to be consumed the right way, then then that that time is worth it. Yeah, I agree. Um, because I mean, basically everybody's busy. I mean, we're we're all working with <laughs> with with clients. Um, so nobody has the ability to be on all the platforms. So I mean, I think it's best to post on all of them, and if they see it twice they see it twice um and but that's all we learn like if you're posting an awesome video they see it twice they're going to remember that more or remember it better like they might see something they didn't see the first time so i definitely agree that um that i don't think it's that big of a deal um, if you post it more once as long as you're posting to the audience like you said change it up a little bit so they're not saying you know like you know, if it's Facebook, you're mentioning Facebook. If it's Twitter, you know, it's Twitter, you know, whatnot. So, um, and, you know, mixing it up time of day too. Like um, mm. a lot of them have schedules. So if you're not posting, if you're not saying, um, I'm going to post this all at three o'clock, you might miss some people, especially with Facebook algorithms and whatnot. So, you know, I'm going to post Facebook at 10, Twitter at two, you know, kind of thing. So, um, you know, you have the chance of reaching more people. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll, I'll piggyback off that real quick. If you post, like if you share links or something and that link is basically driven to draw attention away from Facebook or away from Instagram, that'll push you way down the algorithm and more people will not see that. 
That's that's a great point. All right, so Tim actually joining watching live said, "Is there a preferred platform for reaching clients?" Uh, well, I would I would say Instagram. I mean, for, for if we're talking social media, I would say Instagram. Um, and I, I guess it also depends on your population or the demographic of people you're working with. I should preface that um, from from my population, like I'll say Instagram is the easiest one because I'll just give two examples real quick. Like if I know, you know, <clears throat> trying to think of an example, if I know I'm not going to see one of my high school athletes for three or four days, instead of, you know, it's Christmas break or so on and so forth, instead of me writing it down on a post-it note and giving it to them and say, hey, here you go. I'll show you these today, but you'll probably forget in two days. I'll, I've done, I've done this plenty of times where I'll shoot the videos, throw it up on Instagram. And if they have an Instagram, I'll, I'll just get it from them and tag them in the video so they can see that and constantly refer back to it. So they're doing things the right way. Obviously I'm still going to show them the exercises in person, but then they can refer back to that instead of just looking at a post note and say, am I supposed to have two legs here? One leg here, you know, just so, just so it's, it's better for them in, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah. It just depends on the, the population that you're working with. And I, I would also the second example I was going to say, and I forgot it for a second. Those workshops that I teach, I the, kind of the same thing goes. Coaches that, that I'll have at the workshops are always asking me, you know, hey, my my pitcher's elbow is sore. And obviously, the first response is, you know, you need to go be evaluated by a healthcare professional because without seeing it or touching it, you know, it's just not feasible. Um, but they asked me for some general, you know, general shoulder prehab or so on and so forth. So I'll do that as well. Um, so you can kind of see it in, in real time. Um, so just, but it, at the end of the day, it depends on what population or demographic you're working with. I definitely agree. Yeah. Definitely depends on what your population is. And then I would even say like age, you know, yeah. and comfortability. Um, cause as in mm -hmm. the new platforms come out like TikTok. Honestly, I haven't even been on there, but my kids talk about it. So, <laughs> you know, I'm more of like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, but I definitely think it's, uh, it depends on the population you work with, the age group that you work with. Um, know, you know, know who you're treating. So, and then go after that. So Tim actually asked for private practice. And so again, like when I did my social media etiquette presentation, it's, I, I recommend starting with one. So if you're if you're on every platform, you're probably not doing all of them well, unless you have some sort of assistant. And so Tim, I would say find the one that you're most comfortable with, and then get really good at it. And then also, like Todd or both Todd and Cliff said, uh, if your audience is junior high kids, then go to TikTok, figure it out, right? If your audience is 35 year olds, go to LinkedIn or Facebook. Right. Yeah. So most likely that's where they're going to be. And, you, you know, and if they're in the 18 to 20 ish range of probably Instagram uh, or Snapchat, but I don't Snapchat is more like private than public. So, um, again, those are I would say find your target audience, like Todd said earlier, kind of go where they are and and then focus on getting that one really good. And then you can repurpose that same post throughout the day, like both of them just said. And if you don't know where your audience is, I mean, that could be something that you could, if you have an intake, like in private practice, you can put on there what, what social media do you use the most? Yeah. Um, and then you'll, you'll, you can look at that over a few months and, and get a better idea. So this is an idea. All right. This is a question that actually Todd put in the show notes is how do you create great content? How do you create great content? So Todd, since you put it in there, I'm gonna let you start and then that way Cliss will have a chance to follow it up. Um, so uh, this is probably gonna sound kind of redundant because I, now that we've been through some of the show, I think we've, we've hit on this quite a bit, but um, great content, like I said before, is not what I think it is. If I, if, I, if I post something and I'm like, man, that's awesome. And it gets, you know, 20 views and one like not that these li likes don't mean anything but if only 20 people view it because whether it's it wasn't a great post or it got pushed on the algorithm because i didn't post it right it doesn't matter what i think because if it's not if, if it's not affecting people if it's not providing value then it's not a great post so it just goes back to number one like we said figure out where, who your audience is what they want to see and then catering to that and again that could change from this week to next week. So it's just a never ending process of figuring that out. Um, 
but great great content is com- is completely um, in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what you think it is because, it, like like I said, we, we everybody's got different views of things. And if I post only things that I that I'm passionate about, um, sure they'll be consumed by people who think the same way I do and like the same things I do. But you're not going to hit the broad audience. So you just it's just a, it's just a constant refining process of. Um, and basically, like I said, seeing what's popular and then kind of putting putting your own little twist on it or spin on it. Okay, I, these are, I, that's just basically what it is. Like, I that's why I got my kind of my three sections of what I post right now: the quotes, the random post, and then the the uh, swipe right videos. And again, that could change next week, and it, you know, it might it might change because I'm, I might I might just do the quote every every other cycle and have two random posts, you know, so I can have one that's more personable personal personable to my life, and then one that's actually more sports medicine related. So I still have those in there um, because I want people to be be able to relate to me as a person because I, I think that goes a long way, like we've been saying, and I, maybe we can touch on that you know here before the show ends. But um, great content is not what you think it is; it's what the people who are consuming it think it is. I agree. And then as far as um, great content for continuing education, everything needs to be cohesive for the course. So I think the best way, and this is my opinion, is to start off with your course objectives, which are now called learning outcomes. Like it just depends, I think, on how old you are, and they've changed that up a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, if you start with your learner outcomes, you want to know what you want the, the participants to take away from the course. Okay, and then those learner outcomes should be directly related to your time ordered agenda. So whatever you're covering in there, should you should see those reflected in your agenda, reflected in your PowerPoint. So everything should be covered in your PowerPoint. And then more importantly, like the end of our courses, you have to take like a little bit of a quiz. So it's not to, to trick you up, but the point is, is that you're getting those points that were covered in the learner outcomes tied in with those quiz questions. So um, everything should be cohesive and that kind of what makes a great course. Like your learner outcomes shouldn't be something that you just thought of at the very end of the course because <laughs> they should be your building blocks for the rest of the course. Um, and so I think sometimes people go back to that and they're like, oh, I'm going to pick this out of my PowerPoint and make this my learner outcome. And that's not really how it should work. Um, they should be kind of like a building block and everything should be cohesive together. So. Yeah, so kind of what we've gone through a couple of times is, you know, start simple, just start putting things out there, figure out how it works, create a system, like Todd said, a schedule. Uh, the learner objective is kind of like your outline for what your course is going to be. And so again, just like you would do a rehab program, right? You know, you're going to you're gonna learn the exercises first in class, and then you're going to apply them again in your clinical setting and then you're going to create the programs as a professional so it, it's kind of just follows along the same normal path of random to order uh so again just start somewhere start figuring it out and go from there um todd one of the things you mentioned and i we talked about it but i wanted to go back is um the making it yours making it personal Right. And so on your Instagram, there's times where you post wedding pictures or whatever, but it's still the same Instagram. And again, I think my favorite picture I've ever seen on Instagram is when you posted the picture of your wife on the couch. Right. So I think you said it was your grandma's couch. So I hope I hope she doesn't get mad at us, but it is it is one of the funniest pictures. But it just like it's so relate relatable. Like I showed that to my wife and we were just like, oh, my gosh, you have a beautiful wife. But she wore a dress that was like the same pattern as his grandma's couch. And it was just, you know, like it's different than seeing the hip hinge. But so talk yes. a little bit about that, making it personal. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> funny, random, you know, ironic things happen in everybody's lives. And sure, I could have the best sports medicine content out there. But if there's no personal and, and this again, this isn't every every time, but if I don't have any kind of personal connection with my audience, they, they may go somewhere else because they don't, they don't feel that as, as humans. And I, I've, re- I've read a few books already this year that have like, they have the stats behind it, but one of our main things as like an innate human want and need really is the need for human, human connection and human interaction. And if you're not, if you're not appealing to that, it's, it's just not, it's not going to be as genuine. And 
I honestly, some of my favorite posts to put out there are things that can somehow tie into that the other people can tie into. Um, like the couch, I mean, <laughs> that one was hilarious. For, I'll post in the comments of this so people can see it. But just a quick backstory is by, we always have Thanksgiving and Christmas at my grandparents' house. And she, she bought this, this like flower floral dress from a, like a boutique in our, in our hometown. And we get to, uh, my grandparents' house. And I think my uncle Mike held like a pillow from the couch up next to her dress. And then we made her sit down on the couch and it was like the exact same floral pattern from her dress to the couch. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was the funniest thing ever. So I'll, I'll put that in there because it was, I mean, it was just, I, I think it's my, one of my most liked photos of all time on, on Instagram. Just because it's, it's so funny, but, but yeah, it, it just, the, the, the personal, the personal touch to the content you post, not, not that you're doing it for more likes, but it just, it, it makes you be able to connect with other people on a, on a deeper level. And when you when you're trying to build a brand or whether it's personal brand or a business or a company, the more the more connection you can have with other people is it's not only going to make your business better. And if you're if you're only doing it for that reason, that's not the right reason. It's because you can influence people um, at a deeper level and connect with them because that's what it's all about. You're, hopefully, if you're doing things the right way, you want to make an impact on people's lives and you want to connect with other people. Um, so do, you know, taking a vulnerable approach sometimes. It may, it, may, it may seem really hard because it's seen as being soft, but people connect with that because a lot of people are thinking and feeling the same way. But, you know, for men, we a lot of times we've been brought up and I, not that I was brought up like this, but I just, you know, from seeing my environment and how other men acted, like I was like, I can't be vulnerable because it's seen as weakness and it's seen as soft and I'll get made fun of. But at the end of the day, that's just kind of being insecure. And I was insecure for a long time just because I was, you know, I have to, I have to be masculine. I have to, I have to make sure nobody knows that I'm sad sometimes or that I, I feel depressed sometimes, you know what I mean? But if, if you put that out there, 20 people are like, Oh man, I never thought he felt that way. And I, and I feel that way too. So maybe I can talk to him about it and see what, see what, what coping mechanisms he used or what things help them feel better, you know? So it just, it, it can go a long way in, in terms of creating connections, friendships, you know, customers, whatever, whatever your, whatever your goal is, it can go a long way. All right, Calissa, yeah, go ahead. So what is physicaltherapy.com doing um, to make that authentic? Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are surprised that we read every course of Al that comes in. <laughs> and that's a lot, but we do, we see them come in. So um, it's, you know, between our customer experience staff and myself, I read every, I read every, we, between you know, this, I don't know how many of us are, but several of us. So they're surprised when we respond back um, because a lot of times, you know, you've completed that course, you've done the quiz, and then you have an eval, and you're just like, oh, I don't want to fill this out, you know. But we have wonderful members that leave a lot of information in their course evals as far as like what they want to see next, or they'll even say, you know, like, hey, I, want, I would love to see this presenter on your site, those kinds of things, you know. So when I respond back to people, they're usually shocked. They're like, what? You're actually reading these? Like, so I'll respond back going, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, we do have this course coming up in a couple months. It's not on our site yet, but look out for it. You know, those types of things. Or if they have a trouble with a quiz question and I'll, um, uh, I'll respond back to them and go, hey, you might want to check um, on this part of the segment of the course or whatever if you want a full explanation of the quiz answer but you know I'll, I'll give you my abbreviated version but you know the presenter probably explained it a little bit better than I can but just those types of things um, making it personable um, there is a reason why we want them to fill out that course evaluation and let them know that you know there is somebody behind the, the curtain so to speak or you know whatnot so that's kind of how we make it personable social media wise um, I'm lucky I help with the content but we have somebody that does the content full-time so yeah because it is a full-time job across the company. So, yeah. So Cameron uh, Eldridge on Facebook Live asked, uh, he said that this topic is really good because it's a lot of the pro projects that he's working on right now are related to creating sports medicine content. And one of the questions that he specifically asked was, how do you address people uh, on social media who are not representing the profession well? And so as an athletic trainer, I think, I'm, I swear Todd said this, was just keep scrolling, right? I think I'm pretty sure like in multiple posts, I've seen him say, you know what? Just keep scrolling. Just ignore it. Just keep moving, right? So that's a perfect approach is if someone is 
posting something, you don't know where they're coming from. Maybe it's a place of they just got chewed out by their boss. Maybe their dog died that morning, whatever it is. And they're just, they need that opportunity to vent and they haven't been taught that it's better to vent in, in quiet circles than in public circles. But what are some of the things that, Todd, what else would you add to that? And then Calista, is there anything else that you would add to that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it keeps growing things great. I, I would say the, the most, the best thing that we can do if, if, and you know, we see it in every profession, there's people who aren't, are, they're not presenting us the right way or they're making us look unprofessional or negative responding to that. And we talked about this for an hour in our communication podcast like last month or two months ago, nothing, 99% of the time, nothing's, nothing great is going to come from approaching them in an aggressive way. Usually I would say, don't, don't really approach them at all. Unless it's somebody, you know, and you know that you can have a civil conversation with them because normally with how, how, uh, I can't think of the word, but everything's heightened on Twitter and everything's heightened on Facebook and nobody's afraid to say what they, you know, say what they feel because they're behind a keyboard. But my approach is everything that I post is empathetic. It's respectful and it has a purpose behind it. And the more positivity that I, that I can get out there, positivity is extremely contagious. I think, I think, I think you put it or either you, Jeremy, or somebody else put a stat behind this in terms of positive and negative things. But the more positivity that we can get out there, it takes a little bit longer, I think, for ne- than the negativity does to, to spread. But if I post one positive thing, somebody else reposts that to their story, and then somebody else posts something else because of that, then there's three positive things out in the universe that we can that we can uh, you know relate around or communicate around as opposed to that one negative post. So I just I really combat it by posting as much positive stuff and empathetic things as I can um, because in the long run, um, and this is another thing, people are going to find what they want to find. So if they if they want to see that negative post and they want to see people's responses to it or respond to it themselves, that's probably what they're going to see when they go on Facebook or go on Twitter. Um, but if they want to see positive things, they're going to probably interact with more, more positive people and put more positive things out there themselves. So you're, you're going to find exactly what you want to find on, on social media, if it's positive, negative, or in between. Um, so I, personally, yeah, I would just keep scrolling because it, it, that just takes energy away from your day. I agree. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I agree. I mean, there's those times like you're always going to have somebody that's not going to agree with you, or you know, bring up stuff. Um, you know, we'll have if, you know, even in like a negative like course of L, we'll get you know. Um, sometimes you know, we'll just respond and say you know, th- thank you for you know your uh, you know, thank you for your evaluation. Um, if there's any particular thing that you think that we could you know we could have done better because sometimes you just took a learning event or they might just say oh no I was in a bad mood that day <laughs> when I filled that out or mm-hmm. they'll be like oh no actually I think this area um you know could have been done better or whatever or um actually I think I could have done a better job presenting we've had people even say that you know and um so uh and sometimes we've had wonderful presenters come out of that so, yeah. you know, th- then, you know, and say, oh, or, or who do you, wh- what do you think we should have done instead? So, so you can turn it around like, like those are negative things. Sometimes if, if you want to respond to that, um, you know, usually um, respond back to, you know, please let us know how we could have done better. Um, those types of things, uh, making it positive um, uh, and never never arguing if you want to get into that, but, um, make it a learning event, um, or learning experience. So, yeah, I'll just piggyback off that real quick because that was a great point. And what I, what I was saying is not, if so, I wasn't saying if somebody's, if somebody is directly saying something negative to you, I'm not saying ignore them because you're spot on any, any negative event can be turned into a learning opportunity if you approach it the right way. But I, I was, I was talking more to just like random, you know, if you see somebody in your profession, you know, posting negative stuff or do the things that things that don't look good for the profession. I, I was more relating to that. But yeah, any if some if somebody's approaching you with a negative comment or negative feedback, you know, they may just not know how to communicate the right way, or it could be something that they're really passionate about that they disagree with you. But time, as long as you are mature enough and take a take a second and respond to it the correct way, I mean, the positive comments are just as important. I'm sorry, the negative comments are just as important as the positive comment because. The negative ones you're going to learn more from. You can you can tailor your content in a better way or make it more relatable, so on and so forth. So the, I would say the negative comments to you directly are more important than the positive ones 
because they give it they give an opportunity for you to grow if you handle those the correct way. But just general stuff, I would still say just keep scrolling. But Kalisa, you make a great point on the stuff mm-hmm. in terms of your course evaluations or, or negative feedback. That stuff can be great if you use it the right way. Right. It's just like I always say when you're if you think back of when you were in eighth, you know, athletics athletic training school, I was in PT school or whatever, those test questions that you missed. You, you learn those better because you go back and go, oh, yeah. So you'll remember that better than anything else. So it's like the negative things or whatever, you'll remember more and take that as, as a learning experience than anything else. So, yeah. That's a great point. So we've been talking about uh, creating sports medicine content, but you also both said you are spending time on social media or on other platforms consuming content. So what are some of the ways that you can maximize your digital learning time? Uh, and then, you know, obviously that'll shape what you create, but what are some of the way things, especially Clista being at physicaltherapy.com where you guys are seeing the statistics on the videos and the comments and the course completions, what are some of the things to maximize that digital learning time? Learning time for our members, Jeremy, is that what you're meaning? I, th- I think he's talking about, oh, yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought he was talking about, like, us perso- personally. Oh, that's, but initially I thought your, that, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, for me, when I'm researching and whatnot, I just sometimes, um, uh, I'll do that during my work day, but a lot of times I'll do that after, you know, off, um, cause it's also my personal learning. So, um, like I'll do that when I'm on the elliptical or treadmill working out or whatever, I'll have my phone, you know, and I'll just be listening. Um, not always watching, but I'll be listening, um, to different podcasts that they're going on in the communities or whatnot and see what people are talking about. Um, or like I'll have them in when I'm, if I go to the grocery store, I don't do that very much anymore. Um, but <laughs> those types of things. Um, I am, I'm a, like a multitasker, um, big time. So that's how I maximize my time. Um, if that's what Jeremy was asking. Todd. Yeah. I, I, just, I mean, if I'm, if I'm interested in something, I'm just gonna, uh, gonna go search for it. I mean, people will, <laughs> people will always joke about like, Oh, here, try this, try this exercise that I found on Instagram. Um, but so, some of the time that, and, I, and I'll preface this by saying, if I'm interested about a movement or um, a group of movements that I can, you know, progress a rehab with or, you know, so on and so forth, number one, I mean, that's way more convenient than trying to flip through a textbook. And number two, a lot, some textbooks are outdated, especially ones that I used in school, even though I'm not that old and not out of school that long. But like, if I'm like, hey, I, what are some ways that I can load the hip joint and work on internal rotation at the same time? You know, there's probably not a, a ton of specific exercises in a textbook for that. Um, and I, I th- I'm thinking of one guy off the top of my head that does a ton of hip and inter- internal rotation work. So I'll go straight to his Instagram, but then I'll, I'll work on the exercise on my own first. I'm not just going to, Hey man, I, I saw this on Instagram today. Let's try this in, in rehab. Like I always try them out on myself first, but like if, if I'm interested in something, I'm just going to go out and seek it, whether it's podcast, social media, so on and so forth. Um, I mean, if if you're interested in something nowadays with all the, all the information out there, if you for you not to know it and you're interested about it, that's that's on you because we have the information in our hands. You just got to go out and find it. And so you know sometimes it's not even uh, it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit harder to to find. It may take a little bit more work, but it's out there somewhere and you can find it. Even you, even if you have to pay a little bit for it, it's uh, if you're interested and it's going to help your, help you and help your clients and patients, it's worth it. So. Yeah, there's a wealth of information out there. I mean, I've, well, when I was in PT school, the internet was starting to be bald. I've been around forever. Um, but <laughs> I feel like I'm the old person in here in the group. But there's a wealth of information out there. And I think that the key point to take is that there's so much out there. There's good stuff. There's bad stuff. You know, do your own clinical reasoning, your own research and whatnot. And I'm a firm believer, like you said, Todd, that if you're giving something for somebody to do, you need to try it out first. You need to be able to do it yourself yes. um, and demonstrate uh, it. So um, I've also been the, the therapist that have taken the client's phone and videotaped them and given it back to them. There's their, yeah. their home exercise program. Um, so they have it right there on their phone. Um, that's a, a big big plus um that's that's changed over the years is that you know sometimes you don't even need paper anymore if they got a phone you can videotape them doing the exercise and that's what you got so yeah i don't i don't think 
just real quick, Jeremy, sorry. I, I just don't think we should be afraid of using the technology that we have. I, I think I think some people are afraid of using that because they see it as a negative and electronics are negative. But I mean, just like you said, that that that's probably better than than me me putting up four videos for somebody seeing themselves doing it on their phone. I mean, and seeing seeing how it should be done with their own body, their own way. Obviously, with you with you showing them how to do it. Um, I mean, the the learning the learning there is just is just crazy. So I, I don't think anybody should be afraid to use it. Yeah, we just got to use it the right way. You know, make sure you're protecting personal information, not putting things out there that you shouldn't be. Obviously, that, that just, that's common sense. But I mean, the tools that we have at our hands every day that, that we can use to help our patients improve is, is just awesome. Careful that the most common, uncommon thing is common sense. So, <laughs> all right. So, True. Calista, what what have you learned for for your students on physicaltherapy.com to for them to maximize? What are some of the things that um, you have found or tips that you guys have put out for? Hey, here's a way to get the most out of these courses. Oh, hmm. I think to get the most out of it um, is picking what you want to learn about. Um, we have a lot of people that are um, that um, sometimes just take a course because it's there. Um, so, um, you know, really looking at what you know what you want to learn and make your own like professional development plan. And I think that's kind of what um, we all should be doing um, instead of just going, "Oh, this this course is here, so I'm going to take this right now." Um, to maximize their learning, look over the learner outcomes, look over the agenda and see if that really matches to what you want to learn about that day. If that course is not covering it, then look for a different course. Um, so um, coming in with the expectations and um, of what you're going to learn is, is the best way to uh, maximize your learning, I believe. So, I think that kind of goes back to like it loops back to like everything we're saying, like, so make sure it's relevant. you said, find the course objectives. And, um, Todd said, you know, 15 second TikTok videos, right? Cause if, if you're not getting them in right away, then they're going to spend an hour and be like, okay, well, I'm not coming back to physicaltherapy.com Cause I, I just spent three hours on courses that don't teach me anything. Well, it's because you chose courses poorly. Right. So mm -hmm. make sure that course it's clear up front what it's about or the, the post, make sure it's clear up front what it's about, like, mm -hmm. uh, and go from there. So, mm -hmm. all right. I think that is all the, the questions I have. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add about creating uh, sports medicine content? I, I do not. I, I think we covered, covered it pretty well. I do. I do too. I think the, the best thing is learning from one another. So networking um, and learning from each other because there's, there's, you know, the internet has a wealth of information, but so do, so do we. So, you know, um, whether you're a physical therapist or athletic trainer, we can learn from one another. Um, you know, um, there's so many ways that, um, that, uh, that we can learn as far as topics, videos, exercise, you know, and, you know, whatever. I think um, that's the big thing is networking um, because who's going to benefit our patients, our clients. So. Yeah, I definitely like the do it yourself first approach. Um, and again, some people are like, well, you know, I can't, ex you can't expect me to just squat like that person. No, but if you can do it one time, you can do it one time. And then, you know, you were talking about the videoing them on the phone and then handing it back to them. Cause you can actually like give the verbal cues, like, okay, make sure your toes are out or push your knees out or, you know, yeah. bend at the hip or stick your butt back, whatever it is. And so then they're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Make, make sure I'm doing this. Like mm -hmm. they could be watching themselves in the mirror on the phone, whatever it is. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a really cool idea. And then again, as you build those relationships, like Todd said, you're creating that buy-in and, um, then they're telling other people about the content that you're creating and that kind of thing as well. So, um, for the call to action, Todd on Instagram is, I, I get it confused. It's Todd sports med, right? Todd Todd sports med. Yeah. Across the board. Yep. Todd sports med across the board. So if you want to find him on Instagram, like I said, he's, he puts out some really good stuff and then physicaltherapy.com is the easiest way to find physicaltherapy.com. And so they, I think their Twitter and Instagram is like fizz fair, or something like that mm -hmm. right and so yeah 
So it's, it's a little bit easier to go to physicaltherapy.com to find their social media stuff and follow it there. Or you can go to physicaltherapy.com slash one free course to get started checking it out. Like I said, I just completed the joint mobs one and it was pretty cool. It was uh, like an hour and a half. Um, and you know, I passed the test on the second try. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there is that too. So if you fail, there's another opportunity to, to pass that test and get that credit. So Calista, somebody wants to get a hold of you. What's going to be the best way to do that? Um, see Kelly at physicaltherapy.com. Shoot me an email. I'm old school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Todd. What's that? I'm sorry. The best way to get a hold of you? <laughs> uh, best way is probably just Instagram or, or social media um, at Todd Sports Med. If you want to email me, um, my my business one's too hard to say. So my personal one's Todd.Sable4 at gmail.com. All right. So at Todd Sports Med on social media, because we're talking about creating social media content or sports medicine content anyway. So, mm-hmm. and of course, I am Jeremy Jackson, host of the Sports Medicine Broadcast, where you can find it at sportsmedicinebroadcast.com. And this one is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash creating content. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash creating content. I have a link to the stuff that we've talked about. Of course, physicaltherapy.com, Blueberry, using the code BLU008. Um, link to Todd. And if you're creating sports medicine content, then let us know how this was helpful or let us know what you're doing. Or if you disagree with some of the stuff we said, then let us know that too. And then maybe we can have you on, like Calissa was saying, some of this says people said that, hey, I could have been a better presenter on that. Okay, well, let's mm-hmm. prove it, you know, show us, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So for Jeremy Jackson, Calista Kelly of physicaltherapy.com, Todd Sable of Sports Med Discussion, and uh, the sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash creating content, that is a wrap. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.